This episode of The Motorcycle Show is brought to you by BlackWidowPro.com. Black Widow Pro has power sports carriers, ramps, lift tables, and more to easily move or work on every toy in your garage, from dirt bikes and cruisers up to ATVs and UTVs. Listeners can save 15% off their order by using coupon code TIRE at BlackWidowPro.com. Black Widow Pro, inspired by passion. This is The Motorcycle Show, episode 11 for October 24th, 2021. I'm Crash. And I'm Daddy No Fun. Oh, you guys missed the botched intro this time because we decided to not add it to the recording. Yeah, it's probably getting old that we keep botching them. <laughs> Could tack it onto the end, I guess, as a joke. But um, so I'm in Hawaii. Uh, I'm really jet lagged. You can't stay put, can you? No, not really. I was in Japan for two weeks and now Hawaii for a week, all for work. Um, so I got to have like a 40 something hour long Saturday. I had basically two Saturdays. It was weird. So weird. It's like you're time traveling. It was it was really strange. Like we because in theory, like if you if you're able to sleep well on planes, um, it, it works out really nicely because we you know, you leave Japan at 8 p.m. and then you fly for eight hours, which if you so if you can sleep, you can get a solid amount of sleep in in that time. And then you arrive in Hawaii at 8 a.m. and it's technically the same day you left. So you arrive 12 hours before you left. And then you get to have Saturday all over again. But I can't sleep on planes. So I got like an hour and a half of sleep maybe and was an absolute grouchy disaster of a human being for the second Saturday. Kind of yeah, like you, you just get regular. Oh, just crap, you know, whatever. And we were on Hawaiian Airlines and I will, I would love to bash Hawaiian Airlines for a minute. Um, I hate them. They're, even they're like pre-recorded, like basically their flight attendants all seem to have an attitude. Like they're <laughs> pissed that you're coming to their state, which they consider their country. Um, and then they're, um, they have no, there's like no services there, there. There's no Wi-Fi on the plane. The seats are like, we originally had booked a United flight and somewhere, someone like, I don't know who in the chain of like our dis travel decision-making, like our flights got switched without us, without our like approval it's from this United mm -hmm. flight to a Hawaiian airlines flight. And the seats are smaller. Like I said, there's no Wi-Fi. Um, one of my coworkers has a, uh, travel CPAP and they wouldn't let him plug it in. They're like, oh, you'd have to upgrade your seat. And he's like, fine, I'll pay to upgrade my seat. Like, well, you can't do it on the plane. Um, <laughs> Ridiculous. And like United would have had an electrical outlet at all of our seats. So he could have plugged it in and slept. Uh, so, yeah. And the, even like at the very beginning of the plane flight, they they came on with this whole thing about like, you know, the, the standard statement of federal aviation regulations require everybody to wear a mask the whole time, but whatever. And instead of just ending it at making the statement, they were like, if you if you have any issues with that, please grab your carry on and step off the plane and you can and you can happily talk with one of our customer service representatives. And it's like you didn't have to, like, get all confrontational about it. Like you could have said, hey, you got to wear a mask and then let anybody go from there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Were they you know, it's funny, too, because like I noticed this some crews. There's always the mask Nazi on the crew yeah. that walk up and down the aisles and like scrutinizing everyone, you know, to see if somebody's fallen asleep in there. Yeah. It's, and that's a long, eight hours with a mask on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we did it for 12 hours going from San Diego to Japan. So I would have been eating and drinking a lot. That way I could take my mask off while I'm eating and drinking. Yeah. And like, it's one thing to, you know, I get it. We were wearing a mask. We all wore our masks the whole time. And yeah, I've been on planes where they have like somebody who's just really hardcore about it. But every time I've flown Hawaiian, even not just counting this past time, because I've flown Hawaiian a couple of times now, um, they just, I don't like them. They suck. 
<laughs> like I said, the, the crew, all the crews have always had, I mean, I'm sure there are nice people in the crew, but like the vi- general overall vibe of the crew is like an attitude of like, what are you doing here? It must be a cultural thing yeah. for that, for that company. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe. They just, yeah. I mean, that's so bizarre because usually they try to people try to go out of your way to be nice and make especially with the whole pandemic everybody's kind of freaking out and doesn't really want to fly and some people are you know they try to go easy on you yeah i know my flight home is pretty full the flight when i leave hawaii to go back to san diego is pretty full and my i'm, I'm leaving a different day than the rest of my team and their flight is also full like the the travel to hawaii like is uh there's a lot of people vacationing in hawaii and stuff still like now that like things are things are opened up enough that there's a lot of travel in and out of hawaii well it's that's happening everywhere matter of fact when i went to a wedding a couple weekends ago i couldn't get back yeah uh, we were booked on a, a spirit flight home and when we got to the gate they were oversold by five and a little pro tip is if you ever fly you know, on somebody's buddy pass or non-rev, the later the flight is, the less of a chance you have of getting on mm-hmm. because people start that are typically late are showing up. So they have more time to get there. Yeah. So it was three of us to fly back. Plus there were four flight attendants that were deadheading. Well, actually two that were deadheading, two that were commuting, and then three pilots that were commuting. And, you know, they, some of those people, they got to get, they have to get on the aircraft because they've got flights they're, they're trying to connect to. So we had said, Hey, if it's up, you know, we won't get on, but I, I ended up having to buy a ticket on Southwest to get home because every flight after that out of Atlanta was oversold because there's so many people traveling now and they, the airlines just haven't been able to pick up the slack. Yeah. So on top of that, they're short all these other people. So it's a domino effect. So they're short ground crews a oh, lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then a plane lands, there's no ground crew and they got to sit there waiting for a ground crew to get over there. And then when that happens, they're timing out the crew's timing out. So they can't leave on the next flight because they're out of time by mm-hmm. FAA relations. It's just kind of sucky right now to fly. Yeah. In general. But yeah, that's why. I'd rather take the bike or a car or something else if it's going to be a short trip and I got the time. Yeah. The next time I fly will be when I move to Japan. So what do you mean? You already moved to Japan. You mean permanent move? Yeah. Yeah. So you still, you still have stuff you got to bring back. I don't live in Japan yet. I just went to Japan for two weeks for work. I'm still. I thought that was the done deal. I thought you were moved there. No, I'm still in California. When I get home at the end of this, at the end of this trip, I'll have, I don't, I don't actually move out until February. Oh, so we still have time to be able to send the, uh, the, the hitch carrier. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's one of my to-do list items for my couple of days after I get back. Cause I've got, I've got some time. I took some time off when I get back. So I'm going to wrap a couple of loose ends up like that thing. So you were going to tell me that you were having some issues selling one of the bikes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call them issues selling. Uh, I, I texted Phil almost immediately after I listed the TW and I was like, bro, I don't know how you deal with these people. Like you, as a, as someone who sells motorcycles for a living, I don't know how you haven't murdered people yet. <laughs> right, what happened? Um, just all the typical crap of, and I guess when I think about it, um, other motorcycles I've sold or cars I've sold or whatever things I've sold on Facebook or Craigslist or wherever has dealt has met with the same dumb shit, except that the TW is a very popular motorcycle, so I'm getting a lot of attention, so I get a lot of idiots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like the typical stuff of not reading the listing, where you know 
it states the details about the bike clearly in the listing, like the number of miles or whatever. And they're like, you know, it'll like, how many miles are on it? I was like, how would you read the listing? Um, <laughs> and I usually just answer with the actual answer. I'm like a thousand um, or I'll be slightly catty. And be like as stated in the listing, a thousand miles. Um <laughs> And then uh, I left. You are that dude, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I left the yeah. I left the listing up while I was gone, and so I just went right. in and, and in all the listings. I said I'm traveling until November first, and I keep getting people like you know just hitting the automatic "Is this available?" button on Facebook Marketplace, and I just keep replying with, as stated in the listing, I am traveling until November first and will not be able to like you know whatever. But like you know, or then there's also the people that just like send you like it's a it's a 2020 TW 200 and I'm asking 5,500 for it, which is a lot of money. And I understand this. I'm expecting to be negotiated down from that position and that's fine. But like, I do know that a brand new one can be bought for 4799 MSRP, but then you've also got taxes and set up and all that crap. So mm -hmm. I know that at least in California, you're not out the door for under $6,000. Um, so you know, I listed, I listed the bike and, um, people will be like 2,700. I'm not going to give you any more than that. <laughs> You're like, not going to buy it. <laughs> cool. Good for you. Or like, will you take 4,000? Like, will I take $1,500 less than I'm asking for it when you haven't even come to talk to me or look at the bike or anything? No, I certainly will not. Um, there is one guy that's like really interested in it who we've texted back and forth and I wouldn't be surprised if he does not buy it because, you know, there, he, he's got a whole like three weeks to find another one. Um, but if he's at least been rational and like we've had conversations and I'm pretty sure that if everything goes the way it looks like it would go with him, I'd sell it to him for like five grand and then it'd be done to it. Done with, then we'd be done with it. But like, or the people that are like, well, let me know when you're back. And I was like, I'll be back on November 1st. That's what's going to happen. I'm not going to text you, you know, hey, I'm back. I'm coming back on November 1st. I'm not going to go out of my way to let 100 people know. Yeah, they all <laughs> like, think that you have a personal relationship with them. Yeah, exactly. You know what's funny is I like I'm keep getting emails and messages from AutoTrader for a car that was sold months and months ago. And it was marked sold. The ads since expired. Yeah. How do they still, how are they able to still see this? Like, I don't even know where, where they're seeing it. I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder... Um, I wonder if it's like, cause there's those websites that like scrape Craigslist and auto trader and Facebook and stuff and like pull data from them. Oh, um, that's what it is. It's yeah. not something, but it's coming through, you know, the automated, like, are, the, are you interested thing on Facebook marketplace? It's someone, right. someone right. who's interested in buying your car hmm. and that's from auto trader. I would, and that brings me up to another weird thing I've noticed when you talked about the price, you know, when listing something. Have you noticed on eBay, like if we're looking for camera equipment, that they'll list a camera like the one we have for like twelve thousand dollars? Yeah, every now and then I'll see that, and I, I what's that? Um, <laughs> it's QAnon buying and selling children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was, you that heard was, it here. That was my first thought. Um, <laughs> it's the 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 conspiracy people anyway i know i don't i don't i don't know i've wondered that too where you'll see like you know seven thousand dollars for a used camera that they don't make anymore or a used camera that they still make and you can go buy brand new and i've sent messages like sincerely just saying hey am i missing something does this come with something else is this like a complete system never get a reply back i don't know if it's a bot putting these ads up or something it's just yeah i wonder if you search a particular camera body 
and then sort from high to low, the highs will be like three times the cost of the thing now. Right. I wonder if they're, I mean, I wonder if it is something actually illegal, you know, like if, if they're, if they are selling, probably not children, but like, if, <laughs> if they some, do it on eBay, that's what I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, apparently you can go to the dark web and buy anything you want. Like, elephant steaks or something like that i like, don't know i wonder what those are like is elephant white meat or dark meat it's dark meat <laughs> <laughs> it's, does, does it depend on the part of the off-track motorcycles as usual but i've watched some of these dark web unboxing videos <laughs> on youtube <laughs> have you seen these things no i've never heard of this well you can go on the apparently you can go on the dark web and buy like a box it's got random crap in it. Okay. And then they'll like come and open it up and there's just a bunch of junk in it. Like somebody cleaned out their garage. Yeah. And they're, they, they assign all this, you know, weird cult stuff to this like crap they're pulling out of the box. And they're like real serious about it. And it's actually pretty funny to watch some of these things. Hmm. Like just go on YouTube and look for dark web box unboxing. Okay. And they're very funny. A lot of them. <laughs> but anyway, back to motorcycles. I've been working on the KTM little by little, cleaning it up, taking off the bags, putting the old bags back on. I came to the conclusion that <laughs> if I trade it in or if I sell it to the same people you sold your bike to, yeah, I'm not going to get anything for anything extra I have. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah, but I'm not going to go as far as like pulling the air cleaner out and all right. that. I'll leave that, but some of the other stuff I'm going to take off. Like I've got two seats. I'll put the stock seat back oh, on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sell the comfort seat, you know. I thought about going as far when I, because I didn't have anything super custom on my KTM. I had that, I had the crash bars and I had the, little device that allowed me to remove the exhaust solenoid like the exhaust right. valve solenoid that was right, those right. were the only things and and I had hand guards and I ended up taking the hand guards off mostly cuz they were annoying me um I took them off before my last trip on it but then oh and I had a taller I had a taller windshield but that was it so I just left everything the cyclops LEDs I'm not taking out the yeah. light bar it's just there was a lot of work putting that stuff in and the last thing I want to do is pull that you know that fairing off and try and do you know go back to the way it was right it's, i mean somebody's going to get a good value on the bike if they buy it because there's a lot of upgrades that i'm not going to take off but uh you know the bags are easy right yeah and i mean you did a lot of like practical upgrades it wasn't like a lot of it's not like it's not like either of us were out there doing like super customized crap that only makes no. sense to us yeah no this is i mean it definitely makes the bike more usable especially if you're going to go up in the mountains so all the rottweiler stuff i did and the black dog stuff, like I'm going to leave all, I mean, I thought about taking the bash plate off and I have the stock one, the original one, but I'm just going to leave it on there. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, 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 uh, the Rottweiler stuff I did was a complete kit. So it included the airbox replacement and I have all the original parts. So if somebody wants them, I'll give them all the original parts. Like if for some reason they wanted to take it back to stock, but I don't know why they would. The bike performs so much better the way it is now. There's the uh, the little dongles to to fool the ECU for the air sensors. So you take the mm -hmm. take the um, narrow band oxygen sensors out and you plug those, and there's a little dongle that goes in place where you would normally plug those in, and it's just a resistor to to give it a certain amount of power so that it or a, a amount of resistance so that it thinks it's at a certain altitude. But uh, yeah, that would be a lot of work to to replace all that, and I can't see somebody looking to buy the bike and go, Oh, I don't want that, you know? So it's going to sell for whatever the retail value of a used KTM is for that year. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't, 
I wonder what's uh what year is it again? Uh, Fifteen. I'm gonna look it up right now oh, okay. while we're talking. Yeah, I'm just curious because I know mine. Um, I think if I had sold mine outright, I think I might have made eight for it. Maybe if I was lucky, eight or nine. Like a couple of year, a couple thousand under that. Uh, yeah, yeah, under. yeah. Rumble on gave me like six or something like that, like sixty one hundred, something like that. Okay. So this is showing a price of ten eight for a listing price, and then a trade in value. Yeah, because I knew yours would have been slightly like higher value than mine. Well, wow, the trade in value is a lot less seventy six sixty. Yeah, trade in value. I might have I might have gotten nine for mine. I know that. So there was a guy that had I don't know if I talked about it on the show. There was a guy that rented my KTM like four times last year, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I'm interested in buying it. Would you sell it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Um, I let me think of a price. Let me look. You know." And this was like beginning of last year, I think. So I, at the time, you know, I owed more money on it and stuff like that. And, you know, it was not as old and had less miles on it. And he ended up buying a different one. But I think at the time I was going to sell it for like 10 and then another, you know, year and a half passed before I finally got around to selling it. But uh, he, <laughs> he made the joke. He's like, oh yeah, I would have bought it if it didn't, if it had like 2,500 less miles on it, like <laughs> as a joke, because he put about that many miles on it. Um, so that's pretty so. funny. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna list it for um, you know the the normal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because if, if somebody wants it, then maybe maybe they'll uh, you know they'll jump on it. I I'm, I don't know how many are out there and how hard they are to find. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here, right here, here's a 2015 with 36,000 miles on it. How many so miles are on yours? Thirty-two. Okay. Eleven eight. They're asking for it. And that's bone stock. Yeah, I did a lot to mine. Whoever gets mine is getting one that's in really good, like mechanical shape too. Like I had just before my last trip, I had changed the chain and sprockets out, tires out, had like, you know, basically the whole like you know, oil change, uh, all the fluids, you know, the brake fluid, the high, uh, hydraulic clutch fluid, you know, everything um, changed and adjusted and everything before I went on my trip. So the bike is like rock solid and ready to go now. And then I sold it immediately after getting home. <laughs> Dude, they're listing these things at a lot more, man. They're 13, 14, 15,000. Yeah. I mean, used bikes right now, like used used bikes and used cars are going for high dollar right now because of all the shortages of everything. Right. So you might be able to use the whole logistics nightmare that is the world right now to your favor. Yeah, I just don't. I'm so stuck on. I mean, I know I've been lamenting about this on every show. Yeah, I want to buy something else. I just can't make up my mind. I mean, I keep. Going I mean, maybe if you if you you could get rid of the KTM and force yourself into a position, and then you might it might help you. I don't think so because I've kind of fantasized about that. All right, if I didn't have the bike and I had you know even ten grand, yeah, sit in my pocket, what would I go put it down on, or what would I buy? because I, I could go to wmr right now and trade the bike in on one of those you know huskies i've been talking about but i, I just think they're too small yeah. i don't think i'm gonna be happy on it i actually talked to christy farrell the other night about it and uh she's like dude those are really small bikes and i'm mm. like yeah i haven't i haven't had a chance to ride one so but you're they are yeah. you know i think I, I, I would see you happier like maybe not visually like liking the look of the bike more but like on a duke 790 or wait that's the same yeah. size that's like the same size though now i think about it but i think that the layout is a little no, different. not the 790 the 690 would be it's a 70 well no they've got a new one coming out now too apparently oh a new vit either going to be a 900 or something like that because they're coming out with that norden too yeah 
Yeah, yeah that like 901 Nord. I think that thing looks super cool. It does, but it's it's kind of what I've already had. Right. You know, like yeah. I, um, you know, I keep thinking about maybe a BMW. I, I've even been thinking about maybe a little bit older BMW, like an RT or something like that. Right. You know, um, I saw an R1250 RS the other day and something about it, like the color combination and everything, it looked so good to me. Um, but then I looked one up. I was like, nah, I don't think I want one of those, even though I do kind of want one. Like it's one of those back and forth kind of things like you're having where I was like, eh, I don't know. But it was funny because that, you know, I, I've always said that, oh, if I could afford it, I would go buy an, you know, an older R100 RS. Oh, yeah. Those are one of my yeah. favorite bikes too. Man, I tell you what, the universe is really acting weird today. One just popped up in front of my screen. Nice. You're not going to believe this. Nice. 1988 R100 RS, 7,000 miles, which I find that hard to believe, 12,500. Yeah, that's all, all those numbers make sense. I mean, the, the 7,000 miles is the one that doesn't make sense, but like the 12,500, those things are, you know, stupid valuable. They always have been. Um, Dude, that was a bike that I, every day after school, I'd go to the dealership and sit there and drool on it. Yeah. They give me some paper towels and make me clean it up, but... Yeah. I think it's funny. You and I both had a, a high school BMW fetish. Yeah. Like I, I did the same thing at this local BMW dealership. Like, in fact, like they're probably the ones that got me to go take the motorcycle safety foundation course. Um, cause I took it before I started riding or anything and they were like, Oh yeah, you should go, you know, whenever. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this thing. And so he like told me about it and you know, the dealer was like super chill. You know, what was kind of the mystique about it for me was it was kind of untouchable, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like price was, I think back then it was like maybe 5,000 bucks, $4,500. Yeah. It was expensive, maybe a little bit more than that. And it was just so much about it. Like the toolkit was super cool. You know, the shaft drive, like the fairing, yeah. everything yeah. about it, the little in the top of the fairing, you know, there were, there were these like a clock and another gauge of some kind. It was just, there was something about it. Like it, it was kind of untouchable too. You know, it, to me, it was almost like looking at a Ferrari, even though it's not even close. Right. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience at the BMW dealership. Yeah. And, uh, you know, would I pay 12.5 for one that's an 88? I don't know. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Actually, this is in West Palm Beach, too. <laughs> <laughs> Jump what cut the to the next going show. Steve's got a BMW R R100 RS. Or like, it's like so oh, hard. <laughs> it says this motorcycle has been sold. Oh, no. Looking. Oh, well, Factory fresh, original condition. Oh, that's funny. You know what? I bet I know who owned this bike. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know the owner? I might. I might actually know who owned it. Oh, it's so funny. That's so weird. We're talking about it and it pops right up on Cycle Trader. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. I keep vacillating. I keep going back and forth. Yeah. Like I feel like, you know, you, oh, the other day I'm driving down the road and I see within a quarter mile stretch of I 95, a guy riding a multi shot and then one on a trailer being towed somewhere. The multi is no. a cool bike. I still, no. I've, I, I hate the nostrils less now because they've, as they've kind of changed the styling, they're less obnoxious to me. Right. But yeah, it's a, there's a, that's a really good motorcycle. Um, I, I honestly, I feel I, I, when I was going back and forth about which bike I was going to take to Japan or whether I was going to take a bike to Japan, I was actually kind of glad that the decision was made basically for me that like it was going to be impractical to take either bike to Japan and I should just say, screw it and get something over there. 
Can you get a two stroke over there? Yeah, there are still there are some. I don't I don't know. I don't know about new things, but yeah, I could. There are some older stuff. I, I don't. I I have no clue what I'm gonna get. I, I definitely, I definitely want like a little weird scooter of some kind. So what we found out was that you, no matter what bike you bring over there, it's, you got to still jump through all those hoops. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna have to get the inspections and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely buy a bike over there for yeah. sure. Especially the weird scooter thing you were talking to me about. Yeah, I, I've also so the with the whole being able to take vehicles that are 25 years old or older back to the states, the car dealerships that are like around the base, and in in no other country would I trust a car dealership right off base. But everybody in Japan says that the ones right outside the base are legit. They're not screwing you over. Like they're all, everywhere else in the United States anyway. The, ba- the there's a like a predatory lender like creepy awful used car dealership right outside the base um apparently the ones in japan are like actually decent Mm -hmm. but they all have stickers on the window that say whether or not you can take it back to the states they're like you know we'll be ready to go back to the states in two years or can be taken back to the states now because they are like they know whether you know like like, that that's a thing that would make it of interest to a sailor i also feel like it depends on where you're taking it back to yeah like you don't shot in california right I have no idea. I, I can tell you right now, you're not going to have a shot in California because they're going to, it's going to have to meet all kinds of initial ignition um, emissions crap. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't register my vehicles there anyway. So, okay. I just know that there are certain parts of the country, including Florida that, uh, I personally know guys who've brought bikes back from like Malaysia that yeah. were completely not legal. Right. Uh, showed up at this tag agency and they were like, yeah, there's some sentimental value here and no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that might be a consideration. Yeah. But I'm gonna what, I'm gonna look into it. I mean, the the kind of vehicle that I there's there's this little weird Suzuki car that I really want that I love every time I'm over in Japan. And the the era that I want is old enough that I wouldn't have to worry about it, like importing it back into the States, because I would be getting one from the eighties anyway. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's not a big deal and then the motorcycle thing i'm not really sure i'll just if i if i find something that i like that i want to bring back i'll i'll jump through the hoops that i need to there but i'm gonna have you do me a favor when you're over there too and find out what the market is for the moto gucci i have over there okay because i've heard stories that it was crazy all right but i can't seem to like look online and find anything all right um well i mean not that, I'm, not that i want to sell that bike i'm just really yeah. curious I was, yeah I mean, sure ridiculous you know like 30 grand i'd be like hey yeah exactly like if if, they, if they're like yeah it's pretty hot over here but it's not like wild then maybe not but if it's something yeah. if you get obscene money for it then okay maybe i'm thinking if it's a couple grand difference I don't, i'm not doing that that's stupid but right I, I just that maybe and you know probably what i'm gonna do for a while is concentrate on just riding that bike for a bit mm-hmm. because i really want to go to barber next year and bring that bike with me yeah and do do the parade laps and a bunch of other stuff, you know, have the bike there. Yeah. Um, now I plan on camping with the bike, but you know, I even, I even looked at newer motor Gucci's like maybe a V seven racer or something like that. And then I decided, no, uh, those are, you know, I feel like you're going to find that that's small and underpowered as well. They're all underpowered in that range. Yeah. I don't know, man. I keep get I keep asking for suggestions every once in a while. I'll get an email from somebody and just like weird ambivalence, you know, yeah. like you're in this weird space where you're not sure what you want yeah. yet. 
No, then there's not, there hasn't been anything that's come out where I went, oh my God, I got to have that. Yeah. Which is a little disappointing and maybe saying something about the current state of the industry right now. Like there's nothing that's got me excited that's new. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of see what you mean. I mean, it's. Have you seen anything that you were like. That like really makes me not nothing. No, not really. I can't. I mean, I like the. I really like the CT one twenty fives and all of the new, like the monkey and all those yeah. new little things. But um, that's like a toy. Yeah, exactly. No, nothing like, like full size that I would really want to ride all the time. I, I just, I, I'm like so disappointed that nobody's come out with something where I went, oh my god, I gotta have that. And after, I think ever since I went and actually looked at the Pan America. It was like really disappointed that it wasn't something spectacular. Yeah. You know, like it was just another adventure bike to me. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, you know, in all fairness, I haven't ridden one yet, but I was expecting to see, how do I put this? I was expecting to see like Dynaglide or, you know, Street Glide level of fit and finish and, you know, on an adventure bike. Yeah. That's not what it is. Right. It's like they're building a Honda kind of. Yeah, De- definitely not the street, you know, not that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Much nicer than that, but not not their premium motorcycles. Yeah, I know what you mean. Have you seen one yet? Like I, up close? Not up close. I've seen there was actually now that I think about it, I was in a Harley dealership in Yokohama and they had one and I didn't stop to like take a look at it. I was I was there looking for something for a friend of mine um, and I was just kind of in a hurry. So I didn't like stop you know, to like really stare at it but I, they did have one um so i've seen one kind of up close but not really um i hate to do this but i really got to cut things short so okay. um this is going to be a little short episode um i will be back to kind of regular stuff soon because i'll be back you know on a regular time schedule and uh yeah so follow us in all the usual places uh two wheel studios with the number two <laughs> weirdo <laughs> get out and ride yeah